Section 5 of The Wit and Humor of America, Volume 8. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bill Mosley. Honorable Ransom Peabody by George Aid. The Fable of the Hoosier Bill of Fare and how the women folks cooked up things for the well-known citizen once upon a time there was a hired hand who felt that he was cut out to be somebody among the agriculturists he was said to be too dosh burn tony because he wore gloves when he toiled and on sundays he put on a slew of agony with sheet-iron shoes pointed at the end and a neat derby purchased in terry hut now this freckled swain whose name was ransom wanted to hop on the interruben and go zipping away to see the great world he wanted to live in a big town where he would not have to walk on the ploughed ground and where he could get something good to eat he was tired of the plain victuals out on the farm they very seldom had anything on the table except chicken with gravy, salt rising bread, milk, seven or eight vegetables, crawls, cookies, apple butter, whortleberry pie, light biscuit, spare ribs, pig's feet, hickory nut cake, and such like. This thing of drawing up every a.m. to the same old layout of homemade sausage buckwheat cakes recent eggs fried mush and mother's coffee was beginning to wear on him often he dreamt of being in the metropolis where he could get an oyster stew sardines and ice cream in the winter time at last his dream came out of the box he went up to the city to attend a law school found himself domiciled in a refined joint that was a cross between a salon and a beanery it was one of those regular places kept by a thin lady who had once ridden in her own carriage her long suit was home atmosphere she had the hallways filled with it what is more she came from an old family lord cornwallis once stopped at their house to get a drink of water and george washington came very near sleeping in one of the bedrooms so that made the board about fifty cents more on the week like all high-class boarding houses it was infested by some lovely people there was the girl who spelled it edith e d y t h e and was having her voice done over she had a mother to keep cases on her and do the press work also there was the grass widow who remembered her husband's name but had mislaid the address also the old boarder who was always under the influence of pepsin he would come down to breakfast wearing the hoof marks of a nightmare seventeen hands high and to holler about the food and tell the young lawyer how you can't believe anything you see in the papers also there was a young man employed in a furniture store who knew that he could put eddie southern on the fritz 
if he ever got a whack at the drama. Unless someone got out an injunction, he would recite Poe's Raven, while Edith played chills and fever music on the once piano. So the astute reader will understand that this was a sure enough boarding house. Rance could have stood for the intellectual environment if there had been a little more doing in the food line. Instead of stacking it up on the table and giving the word to pitch in, the refined landlady had it brought on in stingy little dabs by several beautiful heiresses who hated to hold converse with ordinary boarders. About the time that Rance, with the farm appetite, began to settle down to business, he would notice all the other people rolling up the red napkins and trying to get them into the rings. If he kept on eating after that, they would give him the eye. Cereals were strongly featured at the polite prunery. Ransom, while employed on the farm, had often mixed up chopped feed and bran for the shoats and yearlings, but he never thought he would come down to eating it himself. Another strong card was a soup that was quite pale and had a couple of vermicelli swimming around in it, and every Tuesday they served dried currants with clinkers in them. Before Rance had been against the health food proposition many moons, he began to hanker for the yellow-legged Plymouth Rocks, the golden butter, and the kind of milk that comes from the cow. Take a tin cup and go right out to the spring house and dip it up for yourself. Poor, eh? Still, he figured that as soon as he got into practice and began to connect with the currency, he could shake the oatmeal circuit and put up in an A-1 hotel. Like all the other country boys of the storybooks, Ransom made a ten-strike in the city. He worked eighteen hours per, and in due time he was taken into the firm and stopped shaving his neck and wore pajamas instead of a homemade nightie. Then he moved into a hotel that had forty thousand dollars worth of paintings on the first floor so that no one had a right to kick even if the push-button failed to work. All the furniture was Louis-something. You take an ex-farmhand and let him sit in a gold chair with satin monogram that is too nice to lean against, and you can see at a glance that he is sure enjoying himself. Rance now began to go against the a la carte gag. The menu was prepared by a near-French chef. For fear that people might find fault with the food, he always smothered it and covered it over with goo. Ranch began to find out that goulash meant boiled dinner with perfumery in it, and also that there were seven different names for hash. The only thing that saved it from being hash was the piece of lemon peel tucked on the side. Rance was not very strong for the French cooking. Sometimes he would find himself chicken-hungry, and he would order what he thought was chicken, and he would get a half-section of cold-storage pullet covered with armor-plate, a neat ruffle around the ankle, and an olive reposing on the bosom. 
If he ordered ice cream, he got something resembling a sample paperweight from the quarries at Bedford, Indiana. And the buckwheat cakes, they looked like doilies and tasted like blotters. And the demitasse is an awful joke to spring on the man who wants a cup of coffee. Here was the Honorable Ransom, rich and prosperous and apparently happy, but in reality he was dead sore. Things appeared to be coming very soft for him, and yet that which he wanted most of all he could not get. He wanted the real, old, simon-pure home cooking. He recalled the happy days of bean soup and pumpkin pie and cottage cheese. Time and again he would see one of those old friends on a scorecard in a restaurant, and he would order it and get some fake imitation with smilax all around the edges. So after a while, he became discouraged and ate all the junk that was set before him, dope, lemon peel, floral decoration, and all. Often he would go to banquets that cost as much as ten a throw. He would dally with fish that had glue dressing on top of it and golf balls lying alongside. He would tackle Siberian slush that had hair tonic floating on top of it. Then the petrified quail and the cheese that should have been served in 1884. Often, sitting at these magnificent spreads, he thought to himself that he would willingly trade all the Tiffany water on the table for one goblet of real buttermilk. After Ransom had insulted his digestive apparatus for many years with the horrible concoctions of the gent's cafe, he resolved to go back to his native town and visit some of his blood relations so that he could get at least one more crack at real American grub. He wrote that he was coming, and his kin became greatly agitated. Our celebrated cousin, the Honorable Ransom Peabody, is coming to visit us, they said. We must make unusual preparations to receive the big battleship. He is rich and high-toned, and has been living at one of those six-dollar-a-day palaces, and we must cut a big melon when he shows up. He is accustomed to city food, and we must not insult him with ordinary provender. So they began framing up dishes out of a subscription cookbook purchased the year before from a lady with gold glasses and a grand flow of language. The Honorable Ransom arrived late one evening, and all night he lay awake in the spare bedroom, gloating over the prospect of a home breakfast. Me for the sausage cakes with the good old sage rubbed into them, said Rance. I will certainly show the buckwheats how to take a joke, and the way I'll dip into that coffee will be a caution, and maybe... I won't go to those eggs direct from the hen. He arose early, but had to wait two hours. As he was from the city, the family had postponed breakfast until nine o'clock. When he faced up to the table, he was wolfish. First they gave him grapefruit all kirsch. Then the finger bowl with the cute rose leaves floating idly on the dimpled surface then a dainty lamb chop with an ornamental fence around it, and a sweet little cup of cocoa 
in the china that Uncle Henry bought at the World's Fair. Then French toast and eggs a la gazaza with Christmas trees stuck into them. The Honorable Ransom arose and howled like a Siberian wolf, which was impolite of him. Before he went home, he did manage to get a little real eating, but everyone said he was very eccentric to prefer such a simple dish as fried chicken. Moral. Hurry up and get it before the chef and the cookbook have us entirely civilized. End of Honorable Ransom Peabody Recording by Bill Mosley, Bernardo, Texas, USA